Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to go over some basic inspections of your pool equipment. If you do pool service, you should be inspecting your customer's equipment on a regular basis. And if you're kind of new to this, you may not even know what you're looking for. So I'm going to go over some of the basics here when I look at an equipment pad. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open seven days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's referral program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Also receive priority service, enhanced rebate programs, a discount on your general liability insurance through SPA, a discount on your pool riding software through Skimmer, and an opportunity to co-brand with Leslie's on your social media, website, truck, and more. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Pro. So there's a couple reasons why you want to inspect the equipment. One is to suggest upgrades to the customer to make the pool run better and more effectively. In other words, if the pool is having problems with maybe cloudy water or algae or the flow isn't that great, the equipment would be the first suspect of being the problem. So the second reason, of course, you're inspecting the equipment is to check for any kind of leaks or problems with the equipment. So you can kind of head off more expensive repairs. I'll give you an example. I see these situations a lot out there. And the number one problem that I run into is with the Rainbow 300 offline chlorinator with the black tubing. The black tubing is probably not the best tubing Pentair can send with it. It's not highly UV resistant. And if you're out in California, Arizona, Nevada, somewhere where the sun's always beating down on the equipment pad, chances are that black tubing will crack it caused a leak, and sometimes the pool will drain down past the skimmer before the customer realizes it's a problem. So this is one thing that you always want to inspect. And the way I inspect the tubing on the Rainbow 300 chlorinator, the first thing I do is I make sure that I have extra tubing in my truck. They sell six-foot sections at your supplier. And then I just kind of pinch the line and kind of turn it a little bit or twist it a little bit. And if it cracks, then definitely you want to replace it because at that point it's going to crack when you're not around. Maybe the gardener is back there and he runs into it or a kid or even like a small woodland creature like a squirrel or it just snaps on its own basically just by being so brittle. These are all things you can head off by inspecting it. And so I always check the tubing ever so often by putting it in my hand again and kind of twisting it to make sure it's not going to snap. But those rainbow offlane chlorinators are probably the number one source of major leaks at a pool that's not kind of a major equipment like a filter or a pump. Another thing I often see is that when they put the, if they have an automated system and they have a temp sensor and they put it in the plumbing, sometimes they'll put it directly over the pump. And if it's a Pentair system with a whisper flow pump or an Atella flow pump, those steel plates are really susceptible to warping when they get wet. So a drip leak right over the seal plate of a whisper flow pump will cause that pump to kind of warp a little bit and not start. This could be an expensive repair because it could cause the pump 
not to run and cause the motor to burn out. So any kind of drip leak, even something as benign as, you know, a temp sensor dripping onto the pump could actually cause some pretty major damage. So of course, the best thing to do is whenever you see any kind of leak back there is to get on top of it and fix it. So if it's a leaking temp sensor, just replace that seal. It's a little black uh, seal that's easily replaceable. And that'll stop a leak at that point. Again, the rainbow chlorinators and the Hayward offline chlorinators can leak through the tubing. I find that the Hayward chlorinators, the tubing actually comes out of the housing a lot of times. And so keep an eye on those offline chlorinators. They can be a real source of a problem. Other drip leaks would be maybe the outlet above the pump leaking. Sometimes the pool runs dry and then the threads will melt slightly causing a little drip leak. And again, this will cause damage eventually to the pump and the seal plate, depending on the model of pool pump you have there. Some are more susceptible to drip leaks than others. Filter drip leaks are probably the least damaging. And usually that's an O-ring, right around the O-ring when you clean the filter or if the filter was cleaned and it starts drip leaking. That's the O-ring on the filter tank. And those are usually pretty harmless, but they can be annoying because they're dripping constantly and the pool's losing water. And they're extremely visible to the customer. So if the customer were to go back there and see the filter leaking, that's like that's going to definitely be a call to you to come out there and, and look at it and fix it. The other leak on a filter source would be the air bleeder on top. And it happens all the time where they just get old and they start to drip leak also. And you want to replace those as soon as possible. The only ones that are kind of dangerous when they start to leak are the Pentair ones with the air bleeder assembly on top. Those can let out quite a bit of water because they're a larger air bleeder with the filter. So replace those. I carry a spare assembly on my truck all the time, one or two spare ones, because sometimes when you're cleaning the filter, you'll actually break it off the top if you're not careful. I've had it before where I'm taking the filter off and I put it down. It tips over and snaps that air bleeder air bleeder assembly off the top of that filter. It's pretty big, so it can happen. So carry an extra one, but that one could let out quite a bit of water. So, of course, replace that one or replace any air bleeder or air relief on top of the filter that's leaking water. And on some Jandy valves, there's a grease cap. It looks like a little radio knob. And a lot of times these will break off and start shooting water out of them. They're really kind of a pain. And if you have one of these break off, you probably don't have a spare grease cap in your truck. So what I do, and this is kind of like a poor man's version of a repair, I look for a twig or something that I can stick in there. And I'll actually stick it inside the hole that was formerly the grease cap on a Jandy valve. And that actually stops a leak 9 out of 10 times. It's a good way to kind of stop gap it until you get a new grease cap for that. But to me, I find those very useless and annoying because chances are the grease cap will break off if you're just over there by the equipment or someone hits it. And this happens a lot. And you'll see the water shooting out of the valve and you'll be wondering what that is. There's like a grease cap that was formerly there. And again, it looks like a little radio knob. And just get a new one to replace it. But in the meantime, you can plug it with a twig. If you want to look it up to see what I'm talking about, you can find it. It's the Zodiac cap, grease cap. It's the SKU number 2133. And you can definitely find this and maybe carry one on your truck. They're pretty expensive, actually, but you probably want to have one just in case. And so those are the sources of kind of the minor leaks on your pool route. One more I guess I should mention is a lot of times the drain plug on the heater 
where the pump will start leaking. It's very easy to fix this. It's a small little O-ring. They're pretty universal, and so you want to carry these on your truck. I find that the Pentair Master Temp has this problem a lot where the O-ring on those wear out. And so you'll see a leak coming from the bottom of the filter. That's usually the drain plug for winterizing. Also on the pool pump, same thing will happen. You'll see a leak at the pump where the drain plug is at. And just replace that O-ring on there. So you're looking for small leaks. That's one of the things you're looking for when you're looking at the equipment. Any kind of water over there is an indication that there's some kind of leak at the equipment. So I would carry a bunch of small parts on my truck. I would definitely carry the O-rings for the winterizing plugs. I would carry air bleeder, air relief valves. I would carry some tubing for the rainbow chlorinators offline. And other parts that you may run into on your route that could spring leaks. Definitely check those. Next, you're looking for any kind of weird noises or sounds coming from the equipment, and particularly the pump or the motor on the back of the pump, I should say. So if you hear any squealing noises, and sometimes the squealing noises are normal, for especially for a variable speed pump when it starts up in cold weather, you're going to hear, hear a kind of squeal like a pig for maybe one or two minutes, and that's actually perfectly normal for a VS pump in cold weather to do that. However, if you have a single speed pump and it starts to squeal like that, and then it starts to get louder, and then you hear some grinding noises. I probably should do some noise sound effects here, but that can get annoying. But basically, any loud noises coming out of the motor is something to keep in mind and keep an eye on. Sometimes when the bearings are burning out, you can actually hear that motor from the front of the house. I've had a house that the pool was like 100 yards away, and I can hear that motor. And sometimes the neighbors are going to complain to the city, and then the customer will be aware of it, of course, because they're going to hear it. And so that's usually the bearings burning out makes that really, really loud noise they can hear from the front of the house. And it's going to cause a big disturbance and simply replace the pump at that point. You can get the bearings rebuilt, but I always just replace the pump at this point because for me, the bearings only last maybe a year, sometimes less than a year. And it's just kind of like a stopgap to a problem and replacing that motor is sometimes a better option. Sometimes you'll hear really strange noises coming out of the heater. It sounds almost like there's small woodland creatures running in there, or maybe like there's someone bouncing a basketball inside the heater. And this usually indicates that there's a air-gas mixture problem. Sometimes a simple fix is just turning up the speed on the variable speed pump so it has more flow going to the heater. Other times you're going to have to call a technician out because they have the equipment that they can reset it and make the proper adjustments to that. And again, that's not uncommon to hear those kind of noises from the heater when you're having that particular issue. You usually don't hear many noises coming from the heater except that when you have that kind of a problem. You'll hear the gas turn on and the normal noise of the heater. It's just the ignition when the heater turns on and then you'll hear the blower so those are normal sounds of the heater. And if you see something on the screen like LO, that's just the way the heater is displaying that it's operating. You'll see an error code. It'll start with an E usually if there's a problem with the heater. And then there'll be a, a usually a red service light that comes on. So in, in this case where you hear that noise where it's like someone playing basketball inside the heater, you'll see the service light come on for sure. And just call a technician out to fix that problem. The filters don't make much noise. I mean, if you have a filter making a lot of noise, there may be something wrong with it. But generally speaking, most of the noises you're going to hear are coming from maybe a bad motor. Or if the pump has a problem with the impeller, you can hear the pump struggling. You'll notice things like water cavitating in the pump lid. 
if there's something wrong with the impeller. Sometimes the impeller wearing kind of gets stuck inside the impeller. And then you're going to hear a plastic clicking sound coming from the pump. And that's usually just the wear, the plastic wear ring on the front of the impeller that kind of broke off and is causing that noise. You'll kind of get the hang of it when you're out there listening to the equipment. And I really suggest you listen carefully to the pumps running and all the other equipment, the heater. Turn it on occasionally when the customer wants to use their heater. They may even tell you that it makes a funny noise and you can check it out. But generally, those are the noises you're going to hear, and those are indications of a problem. Now, I'll go back to the beginning when I talked about upgrading the equipment. And this is something that you should be evaluating the equipment for all the time. So if the pool is struggling to stay clear, it could be that the filter is getting really old. You know, if you have an old fiberglass filter and you go to clean it and you get the fiberglass shards in your arms all the time, that filter is pretty old and it's wearing out for sure. One way to kind of circumnavigate getting those shards in your arm is I wear long sleeve shirts and I just roll my sleeves down when I'm doing filter cleanings with those kind of filters with the fiberglass shards. You can also get plastic wrap and put it on top of the filter tank and that way you don't get cut when you clean it. But that's an indication that the filter is getting pretty old when you're getting the fiberglass shards on the top of the lid. This happens a lot with the older Pentair filters because they last a long time and it's time to replace the filter at that point. Of course, obvious things like a crack in the filter. The cracks always going to expand and get bigger. So if you have a crack in the filter and a little bit of water is dri dribbling out of there, by the next week, the crack could be an inch or two inches wide and shoot water out. So whenever you see a crack in the filter tank on the bottom or top of the tank, I would turn the equipment off and tell the customer that they have to replace their filter because it has a crack. Now, can you replace just the bottom portion of the filter or top portion? You can. But I find that the price is prohibitive. You might as well buy a whole new filter. And sometimes, to be honest, the top and bottom don't fit together again because that filter is 15 years old. You get a new top and you will have trouble getting that O-ring to seal on it. So I would just replace the whole filter at that time. And so that's the danger of a filter crack because it could expand really large and quickly without you noticing it. So turn the equipment off whenever you see even a small pinhole leak coming out of the side of the filter because I know for from experience that within a week or two that crack is going to get extremely large. So if you're definitely having water quality issues, replacing the filter is probably the first thing I would suggest to the customer. And then you can upgrade if you have a sand filter, you can maybe go to a larger cartridge filter. Or if you have a D filter, you can cut that out and put a cartridge filter in there. Um, whatever you want to do, but I would suggest a large cartridge filter it's probably the best upgrade for a pool. 450 square foot cartridge filter will definitely be a huge upgrade from a 300 pound sand filter or a 60 square foot D filter. So upgrading the, the filter a lot of times solves many problems. If the pool has a salt water system, this adds another wrinkle to the inspection of the equipment. You'll have to inspect the salt cell. I like the clear cells like the true clear and then the CMP cells are also clear. These are a good way to visually see any calcium buildup. But if you have another cell that's not clear like the Hayward or Pentair, you'll have to take the cell off the unions ever so often. Usually I do this every three months or if it's indicating the salt cell is dirty, they'll have a flashing light. Then you would inspect the plates to see if there's any calcium buildup on it and then you would clean the cell. So that's one more wrinkle. You also need to check the power unit to make sure that it's producing. And then you'll have to adjust the output. So 
you know, the salt systems aren't super complicated, but it does add another piece of equipment that you have to inspect and make sure it's working. If you have UV and ozone, you want to make sure those are also operating. Typically, there'll be an indicator light if the UV bulb has burned out, and you would just simply buy the particular brand bulb and replace it. They should last about three years or so, and then the ozone should have indicator lights that is working, and you may also observe bubbles coming out of the return line in the pool to show that the ozone is working. I consider those more add-on devices. They're not typical at every account. At every account, you're going to have, of course, a filter, a motor and pump, and probably a heater. And then you would have some with salt systems, UV and ozone, and you have to inspect these particular devices also. And also be aware that each brand has a specific way to clean the cell. Like the CMP Power Clean, you would use their included tool just to put between the plates and get the calcium off. And then other manufacturers require you to use a muriatic acid and water mixture. Each one's a little bit different, so look at the manual for each salt system so you know the exact way to clean that cell. And if you have an old pump that's struggling, maybe it's cavitating a lot, you've changed the O-ring, you've changed the seal, everything you can think of, and it's still not running well, then replacing that pump is the next option. And I would definitely recommend a variable speed pump. Most of the time, you can get away with a 1.65 horsepower VS pump if they you know, don't have a large water features or if the pool equipment is close to the pool. That's probably the go-to VS pump, and it'll save the customer a little bit of money. So if they have a 2 horsepower single speed or 1.5 horsepower, the 1.65 horsepower total, total horsepower, I should say, VS pump would probably be a good fit for them. You could definitely go with a three horsepower, total horsepower pump, but I think most customers will do fine unless they have solar or water feature or if the equipment's far from the pool or if the pool is extremely large and you're going to have to go with the larger horsepower pump. But I find that it's not usually necessary to go to that extreme when you're replacing an older motor or pump on a pool. And to save money, you can just replace the motor on the back if the pump looks intact, doesn't look too old with just a VS motor, and there's a lot of different brands out there. There's Nidec, there's Century, and a few others that sell those replacement motors only. Waterway also has one, and you would just put that on the back of the pump, and I would convert that to a variable speed pump, but a lot of times, it's sometimes better just to put a whole new pump in there, and you get everything brand new to start with. Kind of replacing the motor is a inexpensive way of doing it, but maybe down the road, that pump is going to wear out anyway, so... Keep that in mind, if the pump is 10 years or older, I would definitely go with a whole new pump, VS pump. If the pump is 10 years and younger, you may get away with just getting a VS motor for the back of that. And those are basically the two biggest upgrades you can do to pool equipment, the filter and the pump and motor upgrade. And this is something that you want to suggest to your clients. When you do see the filter aging, and that could prevent a crack in the future, and you can let them know that if the tank cracks, it could be hazardous or it could drain the pool down. And that way they're aware of some of the effects of not being proactive with the filter replacement. And as far as the pump replacement goes, definitely if the pump is old and struggling, you want to offer them the option of getting a new pump installed. It's a one-time hit for the customer. It's painful because it's expensive. You probably don't want to do both at the same time. You can probably suggest a full equipment pad upgrade, but most people want to do one thing at a time. Some people are okay with replacing everything, and that's perfectly fine. 
And if you're going to do that, if the valves are pretty old, you definitely want to replace those. If you have old Ortega valves, those are, if you know what I'm talking about, they're really old valves with the plastic handles. They're, they're really, really ineffective. Replace those also to give them a full upgrade so they have brand new Jandy valves, brand new filter, brand new pump. And if they want to upgrade the heater, definitely look at upgrading their heater. One thing that has happened in the last three years is that the heater prices have probably doubled I would say so heaters are extremely expensive and here in California I think by the year 2030 they're gonna ban gas appliances here I don't think they're banning gas stoves but they're definitely banning um, gas heaters and I'm pretty sure they include the pool heater in that they're gonna ban gas water heaters and so if you want to upgrade to a gas heater now's the time to do it and that way you get one in your backyard without having to go to a heat pump which is a lot more of an upgrade. And just real quickly, if you decided to go with a heat pump, the main upgrade would be that it needs a dedicated 220 volt line or 230 volt line for that piece of equipment to operate. So kind of look at it like another air conditioner unit where you have your separate line to that. And so if it's over by the pool equipment, running a 230 volt line can be pretty expensive. And it could go into the thousands of dollars, depending on how far the um, circuit breaker is, the um, panel, electrical panel is from the pool equipment. And so keep that in mind. If you're operating to a heat pump and you don't want a gas heater any longer, that you're going to have to have a dedicated 230 volt line run to the equipment so it can power that heat pump versus a gas heater, which requires a gas line. It may be even more economical if you don't have a gas line already and you want to add a heater to that pad just to go with a heat pump and run the 230 volt line to the equipment. So just keep that in mind that it's not a simple upgrade of installing the heat pump and then connecting it to the existing sub panel by the equipment. Chances are it's going to draw too many amps and it's going to trip the breaker. And so it needs its own dedicated line, just like your AC unit has a dedicated line so it doesn't trip the breaker and overload the circuit. And also keep an eye on kind of weird things happening at the equipment. I've had an equipment pad where the filter was just on a 2x2 pad and it started sinking into the ground and tilting sideways. And the biggest problem was trying to get the lid back on after cleaning it because it was all lopsided. And the bigger problem, of course, is that the pipes are going to snap eventually when it tilts too much. It was like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And definitely those are weird situations that you may run into so keep an eye on the overall equipment pad itself and look for things that are unusual, like the filter starting to tilt because it's sinking into the ground and it wasn't installed properly. I mean, I've seen a lot of Mickey Mouse jobs where they've put pumps up on cinder blocks and this is a level everything out or dug down the pump below the equipment because there was no way to connect the plumbing. And these are all things that you're going to have to eventually fix because that's going to caused a lot of strain on the pump. I even had someone put the pump almost underground at one point because they didn't like the noise and it had it covered with a metal cover and this caused a lot of stress on the pump. Plus cleaning out the pump basket was very difficult because you had to reach down into this hole and these are weird situations that you may run into with the equipment. A lot of times I'll see equipment pads that are really tight where they had the heater stacked above the pump on maybe a metal graded kind of bench thing. Um, I don't know exact term for that, but they have the heater above the pump and then that makes it difficult to change the pump later, clean out the pump basket. 
you may find that you have plumbing right over the pump lid and you can't get the pump lid off properly or things are really tight or the filter is right up against the wall. All, the, all these things are things that you are going to have to eventually address with the customer, maybe move the filter out further, maybe rearrange the equipment so you can move the pump out from underneath the heater platform. Things like this are all things that you'll have to address in the future. But just be aware that every equipment pad is different and each equipment pad has their own challenges and upgrade challenges as well. And a lot of times you may have to refer the complete upgrade out to somebody with more experience, which is perfectly fine because you don't want to struggle with something that's over your head. But just keep in mind that when you're inspecting the equipment, you're looking for problems, future problems, and potential equipment upgrade. And you get the hang of it when you see 60 or 70 different equipment pads on your route and you'll get to know your pools really well and what's working properly at the pool, what's not working, and what needs to be upgraded. If you're looking for other podcasts that I recorded, you can find those on my website, swimmingpoollearning.com on the banner. Click on the podcast icon and I have close to a thousand podcast episodes you can listen to. And if you're interested in my coaching program, you can learn more at poolguidecoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week and God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Yeah! Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at getskimmer backslash pool guy. Again, that's getskimmer backslash pool guy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.